Did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Jean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters, where we talk all things menopause. And today, I have with me Sharon Ann Rose, the midwife for midlife. And here's a little bit about Sharon. Sharon supports female leaders moving through big life transitions, like midlife and menopause. Like those are little tiny things, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> to restore their vital energy and bring their lasting, build their lasting legacy. She offers guidance and wisdom to attune to one's body and nervous system. So, she, so you can realign with a more sincere approach to your business lifestyle and relationships from the wise woman within. And I think we're just going to leave it at that. I'm going to ask you, Sharon, welcome. It's good to have you here. Thank you so much. So tell me a little bit about how you got into this work. Um, because I, I think as we go through, I want to be talking about the rituals and the the making this a big deal, making this transition an important thing that that we, as we go through, we realize and we take time to celebrate ourselves mm. for this transition. So mm. how did you get here? Mm. Beautifully said. Yeah, so I was one of those sweet little girls who was out in nature from incredibly young age, picking flowers talking with the trees, literally like scooping my hands into soil or water and feeling such a profound connection with actually how it then made me feel. It mm. made me feel special. It made me feel like I was part of something so much more dynamic, sacred and bigger. It made me slow down and not be so in my head or in the thoughts that I could be anything but a part of the beauty around me. So in all honesty, that's really how I began and learning about what it means to create your own ceremony and ritual very organically, literally from the way you're feeling moved to by the elements you have around you and by what you feel, you know, rising up inside. And so that's that piece of it. And then I, you know, I'm the youngest of four girls. I went to my undergraduate for um, women's studies. I began right away working with women from all walks of life, you know, from teen mamas to women in domestic violence shelters, in prison, et cetera. Um, 
And so out of that, when I first became a mama to my firstborn son, I just said, you know what? I now need to learn what it means to be a woman serving other women, serving now a family and child and being served. So again, it came back in of how do I do this sacredly? How do I slow down? How do I listen? How do I remember in those haggard moments of complete exhaustion, which I'm sure we'll talk about that (laughs) then revisited me in midlife profoundly. (laughs) But how do I then remember like what's holding me and what do I need to do on the daily to actually be in touch with that and live my life from that so that my thoughts and everything in between my health, my um, physical well-being can all be touching that and touched by that. So then I continued on. Wonderful. So yes, um, I often talk about how um, sleep and and fatigue influence us or reach us differently in midlife as opposed to that mama fatigue that we had and some of the things that are going on in our bodies that that make it possible for mamas to get through that Uh, even though you're wiped out it's not quite the same as then these midlife exhaustion moments because you don't have that baby. You don't have that child say giving you the the rewards for being the mama. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. and uh I, I often talk about that, so it just kind of triggered me as you said that. Um yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, can I say a little little yes, bit on that? Because I sure, feel so full in my heart. You know, so my background is in a variety of different um, practices and modalities and hypnosis, uh, shamanism, priestessing. Those are are many of them, as well as mental health around meditation, guided visualization. So when I hit the exhaustion of midlife, I kept being like, wow, exactly what you said. This feels so different. How could I actually keep going? Because, you know, I had three boys and I would just go and go and something um, drove me, it, you know, I, it's not like I was inside pushing. I, I was not that kind of mother, but something like you said, it was having this babe just pull energy forth and out of you. Yeah. And then in midlife, I went, oh, what if I trust there's a baby in me? Like not literal, but energetic, emotional, my little inner one. And how about if I start living for that? And that really Ooh. shifted the, you know, the exhaustion. It became yeah. different. Then I started tending the inner, you know, sweet babe who was calling me forward to rise what up. Is, that's a cool them. thing. I, I have not, you know, I had not really considered that. But um, as I work with women around sleep, what we find is that the hormonal levels are different. And when you have a little one, you get that oxytocin boost, not oxycodone. <laughs> oxytocin so that's a hormone that's that's involved in that snuggle love bug kind of thing that you get going with your child especially if you breastfeed um but when we get to midlife we don't have quite that same connection with that particular hormone and we have so many other things going on and if you had three teenage 
three teenage boys at midlife? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the youngest the youngest was seven, I think, when I started. And he's now now I'm officially in menopause and he's gonna be thirteen. So Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember like even making this whole thing tangible. So I'm intrigued, you know, about what you're talking about hormonally. Like I literally for a while slept with being like little outfits from my babyhood under my pillow so that I could touch them. I, I had a a stuffed animal in bed. Like I just intuitively was That's drawn to recreate this kind of like, literally, how do I know that there's a baby here? And it's me. Wow. I, I really love that. Um, I'm going to have to just <laughs> take a little page from your book here. <laughs> As I work with women around sleep, um, we work a lot with um uh, hormones and straightening that out we work with hypnosis uh we work with the habit of sleep or the habit of not sleeping what happens when we get so used to not sleeping but we don't really work with that inner child as much mm-hmm. and tending to her and tending to her needs to be rocked and cuddled yeah yeah, because midlife, as I know you know, like that's where you get really close to your past trauma. It really comes up hard, fast, yes. and deep. And you now no longer have the mental filter that you used to have, so you can't block it out. And, you know, and so it, it requires this like, okay, I'm walking with all of my past pain and trauma in a really different way. And how can I be, like you said, just so soft? so close to it in a really gentle way yeah not a like I gotta fix this I gotta change this you know because that was one of the things for me with the insomnia that all my trauma was just screaming at me every night and I couldn't turn that off because it was you know it was so horrific to the part of me not the adult part of me but that little girl who just was yeah. like I I can't wrap my head around this so it's not I, I mean I'd I'd say that it is as important to the adult part of you there as well because we spend uh, so much time reprocessing that trauma, and the reason we can and do is because, as I've said many times before, we take ourselves out of. The, the outskirts of our lives the, that's allowed us to function for so long, doing so many things for so many other people. And we, we now have the opportunity and the space, even, even in the midst of re- raising teenage boys, which I know is not easy. Um, having done it one time, I can't imagine doing it three times, especially as menopause as I went through menopause, but we get a, get an opportunity to rethink ourselves and our own spot in our own lives, which is, I love the, I love the thought that we can take that and ritualize it and allow ourselves to be that center point of our own lives. Mm -hmm. And um, as I've said many times, crone, the which is now a pejorative about 
um, menopause originally came from the same root as crown. So if we think of this as the crowning of our womanhood, the crowning of our lives, the moving into this empress of ourselves, then it's really becomes wonderfully important to celebrate and ritualize that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have an inner sisterhood membership community. It's called the Empress Wise Woman Council. And one of the rituals we do in there is the crowning. So each woman gets to really, you know, in her inner um, journey, touch into what does it mean for her to take off the old crown, mm-hmm. you know, what the old crown looked like. And the old crown might literally have been a crown of thorns. It might have been, you know, something that shackled her down. And then to literally take the time to say, what is being called forward for my new crown? And how am I going to allow the shapes, the colors, the gemstones, the materials, the flowers to go into it and then feel what it feels like, you know, every day to bring that forward and, and begin your day. And how does it actually even shift your posture, the way you walk, the way you breathe, the way you talk and engage? And yeah, the crowning, it's so profound, so profound. Because, you know, it's what, for for many, you know, especially in birth terminology, you crown, like that's how you enter mm. the world. And then for so many, um, the journey can be really, really hard, you know? So what does it mean to like let go of the old crowning the way you came in and really begin to restore the way you now want to walk through that second gorgeous half of your life from a new birth, a new rebirth? And what I love is the idea that this is this is the second half of your life. This is an, um, this is your own choices. This is your own purpose, your own passions. You don't have to live other people's expectations anymore. Now, some, I agree. I mean, you still have, you still have children at home. So you still have some expectations. Some of us continue to have to work normal jobs (laughs) and that means that you have some expectations that you have to have to manage. But overall, you get a chance to look at yourself and say, who am I? What is it that I want to be at this part of our part of my life? Yeah. Yeah. And we get to remother ourselves, remother this gorgeous, wise woman, you know, yeah. this true. We are moving into our eldering. You know, it's been fascinating because even as I began to move into menopause deeper and deeper, like, oh, can I say that about myself? Can I say I'm a wise elder now? And I go, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm in that in between now, like the queen (laughs) stage, you know, how, you know, maiden mother crone has now become maiden mother queen crone. And I'm grateful because I don't think you can step into elder hood true deep reverential elderhood like that you know it requires the refining and like you said those questions of now how do i really want to walk myself you know really mother this part of me into really healthy eldership for this you know this society culture world earth that needs amazing elder women now more than ever absolutely and what we found is that one, I have, I have 
a few friends who are uh, who brand themselves as dismantling the patriarchy. And what I have learned in my work is that men are often intimidated by this strong woman who has no real need of them in the same way that we did before. We still, if we're honest with ourselves, we need other people to love. And that can be a man or a woman or a child. And our relationship to the men in our lives can be very full and rich, but it's not the same as it was back then. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hold as much um, of our own well-being in it. No. You know, it's, it's a choice. It's something that I find as, you know, like my relationship to my beloved husband has deepened and enriched because I'm so conscious of, I don't need him for anything. And I want him for, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And when I say I want him for everything, it's a healthy, like I want him in my life. I want us to build, you know, the next half of our lives together. I want him to co-parent with, I you know, so it's that desire that we allow ourselves to say, I want to be with this person and I want him for who he is and for the things I don't even know yet what he's going to become, you know? So let me ask a question just, just from there. Did you find that he had to make adjustments to the person you were becoming? Did you see that happening or was it behind the scenes it was both it was all of okay. it you know and I really could feel it and even now that I've softened inside of myself to me I'm also much more calm and allowing and more receptive and and quieter with witnessing and watching his change versus mm-hmm. being like you gotta change <laughs> like you gotta you know like up level your game buddy now I'm I'm just often in awe going, wow, look at you. Look at all the ways you're changing. And again, some of it was quite overt because it would be the way he spoke or the way he moved or the way he talked with me mm. or the way he was even um, valuing himself in the workplace as a midlife man, you know? So yeah. And some of it was much more subtle where I would go, something's different here and I can't quite put my finger on it, but it feels different and it feels kinder and more relaxed and kind of like, Ooh, this is getting juicy, you know, it's wonderful. So it touches depths, you know, that you can't always put your finger on. And, and the, the good thing is that your husband changed mine as I write in my book, as I talk about often, my first marriage didn't survive my menopause, didn't survive the changes he was going through at the same time. And the changes drove us apart. And that's sad. Um, but there has, <laughs> there has to be the change in both of you, the, the change that allows you to move together through this time. And, uh, yeah, and I even want to bring that back to talking about ceremony and ritual because yeah. it has been a huge part of my life in my marriage and then also what allows me to give space from my marriage. And so when I'm, you know, 
doing ritual for myself to honor this midlife, you know, transition, so much comes in where I'm then creating a relationship with a higher power, with like my inner, you know, wisdom keeper with the earth. And that creates a, a whole nother partnership, you know, where I'm not so reliant then on what I want to give or get from my husband. And then I can also turn towards him and bring that and make sure we're tending the changing relationship between us through really gentle, soft ceremonies. Sometimes it's as simple as, oh, let's both write down, you know, what we feel changing or, oh, let's both write down what we're afraid of and we'll burn it, you know, together. It, yeah. and, it, and it just creates that next layer of there's something holding both of us through this and it doesn't have to be the other person holding me or me holding him. There's now like such a conscious, tangible third, you know, being third energy that is so much bigger than both of us that is walking us through this and each of us individually. And it's so freeing. It's just like, <laughs> thank you. I'm not responsible for you growing and you're not responsible for me. And we can together turn towards what will, you know, by whatever your anyone's definition is of what's going to, you know, carry you really sacredly to the so, next chapter. So if someone, if, if a woman listening to this wanted to create her own rituals or work with you to create rituals, where would you suggest that she start? I feel it's so important first and foremost to deconstruct, you know, like you're talking about dismantling patriarchy to dismantle your relationship with what sacred is. And mm. to, and that is, you know, really the foundational floorboard of that, because if we just try to do ritual or do sacred practices, we're going to bring everything with us of what we thought had to be sacred or what we thought we had to make sacred and just plop it on top of it. So when we begin to dismantle that, we're naturally doing all that work of dismantling, you know, again, whatever terminology you want to use, outdated beliefs, thoughts patriarchal conditions, constrictions, our own past trauma, so that we can come back into us being the sacred vessel, mm. primary foundation, nothing else in between. And then out of that, we grow what we value and, you know, offer ceremony into that. And what I love is, you know, ceremony can be as broad and vibrant and different from one woman to the next based on what she loves you know, and again, no restrictions because it's so important. I remember there was um, this beautiful, so I'm a minister as well, a spiritual peace minister. And um, there was this gorgeous book of prayers that I used to refer to often. It was called Women, Women's Book of Prayers. And there was one in it called, yeah, and I wish I had it handy. <laughs> it was called Wild. Oh, what was it called? Wild something. But you know, it was Oh, your wild prayer or, or something, or your, 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 your dark or no dangerous prayers. That's what it's called. Dangerous prayers. And that's what I almost feel like this work is where you're going into a, a whole realm and region that was kind of off limits. Like, no, no, don't go there. And whatever that is for each of us, mm -hmm. for someone, it could be their, you know, their priestessing inner wisdom. It could be your intuition. It could be your psychic gifts. It could be your own strength and power it could be your own incredible intellectual capacities. But when you go into like that dangerous zone, you reclaim what's sacred in you. And then out of that, 
you create all kinds of, you know, ritual and, and sacred ceremony and rhythm in your day, in your life, in your weeks, in your months, in your years, where you're saying, I'm going to pause and I'm going to do, you know, a mini ritual or actually a really larger one to, you know, acknowledge my life as a sacred being on this planet through these thresholds and transitions. I think that's a great way to end. Sharon, thank you so much for being here today. How can someone reach out to you if they'd like to hear more about your work? Yeah, the, the best way is through my website. So it's my name, SharonAnnRose.com. You'll also find me on Instagram at SharonAnnRose. And then I'm on YouTube, um, SoundCloud. There's a couple of different places, but yeah, beginning on my website's a great place and, and connecting through there. That is awesome. So thank you so much for being here today. And we look forward to seeing more from you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Sean. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you.